This is More Than Conquerors with your Bible teacher, Pastor Ray Hagestilianos. As a teaching pastor for more than 35 years, Pastor Ray's heart and vision is simply to build up God's army, enabling them to stand strong in their faith. As the senior pastor at Living Word Christian Church in White Plains, New York, Pastor Ray will challenge you today to begin your walk in integrity and victory, forever changing your life as transformed by the power of God. More Than Conquerors is supported by the generous gifts of listeners like you. You can find us online by going to livingwordchurch.org. This amazing six-day message of Pastor Ray entitled, The Power and Blessings of Faith, Good Works, and Obedience, brings together three of the most important principles any serious Christian needs in order to guarantee that their life will be filled with victory and prosperity in all things, just as God has ordained it. In his first four days, Pastor addresses the Christian who knows that faith has the power to change lives, knows and professes God's Word, but doesn't activate its promises by doing what God tells him to do and his life lies dormant. Faith has the power to change his life, but requires action to do it. In the final two days, Pastor explores the powerful truth that once we put action to our faith, There's always a blessing attached to that obedience to God's Word. Here's another life-changing message on God's promises always being yes and obedience always bringing blessing, long life, and prosperity. So I found out that faith can change my life. But I found that actions have to go along with my faith. I have to have corresponding actions with my faith. So if I say I believe the Word of God, then... I need to do what the Word of God tells me to do. If it tells me to forgive again, I've got to forgive. If it tells me to love, I've got to love. If it tells me to be generous, I've got to be generous. If it tells me to tithe, I've got to tithe. If it tells me to, you know, be merciful, I've got to be merciful. Because true faith backs it up or proves itself through its actions and activities in life. If you don't have the corresponding action then your faith really lies inoperative. It's dead. It doesn't produce anything. So he says, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's devoid of power. It's inoperative. It doesn't have, it needs to have actions or active zeal that corresponds with that faith. And it says, I love verse 18. It says, but some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. So you can, you can make all kinds of boasts, but true Christian faith the, faith, the faith that really believes and has really laid everything down, says, you just watch my life because I'm going to prove my life by my faith. I'm not just going to be a sayer of these things. I'm going to be a doer of, of the word. I'm not just going to talk the word, know the word, say I believe the word. No, I'm going to actually do something with what I've heard. See, this is what changed my life forever. When I started to do, when I heard about all of these principles, you know, you know my story. One of the things that I, I didn't grow up with very much, you know, we had a nice house, beautiful, beautiful family, wonderful home, but we, we weren't rich people. We were pretty much on the lower end of, of the financial scale, you know, and um, I wouldn't say we were poor, but we weren't, you know, we weren't even upper middle class. We were lower, lower middle class. And, you know, so 
growing up, I didn't have what everybody else had around me. I mean, I had plenty, but I didn't have what some of the people that, that around me had. My father passed away, finally, like I said. And then we really were plunged into the depths of poverty. We really didn't have much at all. I can remember having to, you know, work to try to help my mother pay bills and, and help her. My, so did my sister and my, brother, my two brothers. We all had to do whatever we could in order to help my mother kind of keep the house and keep, keep things going. And um, we all did it. We did it joyfully. But so my story was that I got, I got, I was like tired of being broke and poor. So, so I started to learn from the, from the Bible, for, from my experience was, well, prosperity is the reward of the righteous. I said, boy, that sounds really good. I'm the righteous. So then prosperity must be my reward. I don't feel that reward. I don't see that reward. But I believe that that reward is mine because I am one of God's righteous children. I started to find out that the words of my mouth had power to produce. And I realized that I was talking a lot of poverty talk and negative talk and that I had to change my, my speech to line up with what God says. That the power of my tongue, life and death are in the power of my tongue. And I realized that I needed to start to speak what I really wanted to happen in my life. In other words, how can I say this? Your words have the power to produce your future. And I learned that early on. And I started to put it into operation in my life. I started to realize, I took this serious, that faith without actions of zeal and activity are dead. My faith is going to lie dead if I don't back this up with some action. So I started to tithe. I started to give. I started to speak. I started to confess my, what I wanted for my future instead of just complaining about my present, instead of just nagging about what I didn't have or being jealous about what other people had. I never look at what other people have. I don't, God bless you. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't change my life one, my, one iota. I'll tell you a funny story. I was turning the corner the other day with my nephew, Luke. We were going, going to get something in the mall, and there was a Ferrari right next to me. And Luke turns to me and says, well, I bet you that car could beat you out. <laughs> and I said, Luke, I don't really care. I said, he, he may have a bigger engine. He may have, you know, he may have hotter tires and all of that kind of stuff, but I'm perfectly happy with what God gave me. And I said, and I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to try to race him because, you know, the guy was standing right next to me and I have a pretty hot car, I have to admit. My car's fast. I upped it to eight cylinders. I used to drive six, now I'm driving eight. And that baby purrs like, when you start, but you know, you put it up against the Ferrari and it looks like a kitten. So, of course, the guy in the Ferrari who looked so hot had the top down, you know. He turns the corner and he guns it. And Luke, Luke starts laughing. You know, he, I said, Luke, let him do whatever he wants because you know what? Because when he gets stopped, he's going to get the ticket, not me. No sooner I said that, the police lights go on and there's a cop right behind him. Pulled him over and I said, there you go, Luke. Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh, it was perfect. I said, glory to God. I love when that happens. I don't look at anybody. 
God bless you. Enjoy your Ferrari. Enjoy your ticket, too. Because now you're going to have to take a day off and go to the court and wait there and be embarrassed and go speed all you want. Enjoy your hot car. And I just did 30 miles an hour down the road like an old man. And the car's going, it really wants to go faster. I have to be, have to be very, this car really wants to go fast. But I'm holding it back. Sometimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so faith, if it doesn't have works or action or active zeal behind it, is dead, inoperative, devoid of power. So sometimes you might wonder why, you know, why aren't, why aren't things changing? Why is my prayer, you know, you know I, 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 I want to see, like, say, prosperity in my life. But you're not tithing. But you're not giving. You're not generous. You don't find opportunities to be generous and share something of what you have with someone else. You wonder why, you know, you know maybe you're still, you know, um, living miserably and maybe you have guilt in your life. Maybe because you're, you know, you know that there are things that need to change in your life, but you're resisting that change. You need to back up your faith with action, with zeal, with some something. If you say you believe, then the actions of your life and the activities of your life ought to line up with that faith. It's what truly proves that you are a person of faith. It proves your faith. So, he goes on to say, but someone will say, well, we read that already, but let's read it again. You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And he says, um, you believe that there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. A lot of people try to get through life, well, I believe in God, I believe in God, I believe in God. A lot of people say, I believe in God, but they have no action, no activity, nothing that backs up their faith. If you say you believe in God, then you ought to have works. You ought to have zeal. You ought to have action. There ought to be something. You ought to be doing what the Word of God is telling you or teaching you or instructing you to do. You ought to back it up with action and activity. That's what makes the difference. And he says, um, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Now listen. He says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? And many of you remember the story, right? Abraham had, didn't have a child, and God said he would have a child. Then he had a child, and God said, bring, him, bring your son to the altar and sacrifice him. And it was a test. It was a test for Abraham to see if he would really be a person of faith. Like, is God maybe speaking to anybody here about putting something on the altar? He's talked to me many times in my life about putting things on the altar, You've got to let that go in order for me to bring a bigger blessing into your life. Does that mean anything to anybody here? So he says, now listen, verse 22, do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? Now you remember the story because um, Abraham gets to the altar, ties down Isaac on that altar, and in total faith, towards God. And there's another verse here in Hebrews that said that he had so much faith that he believed that even if God had him to put the knife into Isaac and and kill him, that God would raise him from the dead. That's how much faith Abraham had. But 
what happened was, you know the story, Abraham takes the knife and is about to drive it into Isaac in obedience to, 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 to God. And God says, stop, you've proven your faith. And he said, there's a ram in the thicket over there in the, in the bushes. Go get that, that ram and put him on that altar and he'll be the sacrifice instead of your son. You've proven to me. You've proven to me that, that you really trust me, that you really love me, that you really want to honor me. You were willing to give your own son. You were willing to give your own son. See? And it says that Abraham now becomes the father of faith because he laid down the template. Are we willing to put our fears and our doubts on the altar of God and to just do what, do what the Word is instructing us to do, to believe God over our doubts and over our fears and over our worries and to put the Word of God into operation? This is the, this is the challenge for me, is that, again, there are so many Christians that are not seeing their faith producing in their life because they're not doing the things that God has asked or required. Faith without works or without action is dead. It's inoperative. It's devoid of power. It'll never work. If you say you believe God and you believe his word, then do his word. Live his word. Put it into practice in every area of your life, and you will see your life transform and change and develop into something so much better. Abraham becomes the father of faith. He received his son back, and he received so much more blessing in his life if you read about and study the, the life of Abraham. So let's just, let's just look at this. Um, James, if you go to James chapter 1, listen to this. He says in verse 21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now listen to what he says in verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Now these are the verses that he gave leading up to what we just looked at. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. There's so many people that are hearing the word but they're not doing the word. I heard one faint amen out there somewhere. People are, are, are listening to the word, but they're not doing it. It's in the doing that faith becomes alive and activates. It's in the doing that faith begins to produce in your life. Same. So then he goes to say, if there is anyone who is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But, but, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, and that would be the word, that would be the Bible, in other words, looks into it. Have you looked into it lately? Are you looking into what the word has to say about your life? Are you listening on Sunday when I'm teaching and giving verses? Are you saying, how can I put this into operation in my life? Where does this fit in my life? What do I need to do? What do I need? What, what activity do I need to have in my life to unlock my faith? It says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues. You can't be a sometime doer. You have to be a doer of the word. You have to hear it and then continue in it. 
This is where I think a lot of people lose it. They start, they stop. They start, they stop. They start, they stop. They're up, they're down. They're doing it, they're not doing it. You've got to live this stuff. That's what it means. Continue. You've got to live it. If you believe it, then live it. Don't just talk about it. If you believe it, live it. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, everybody say doer, doer of the work, this one, this one will be blessed in what he does. It's that person who's going to succeed. It's that person who's going to walk in, I believe, in prosperity in every sense of the word in their life because they're, they're listening to the word of God and they're doing it. They're unlocking their faith by putting the word into operation in their life. And by doing so, they will see their faith start to accomplish all of the things that they need and desire and want in life. So don't be just someone who hears the word. Don't just be a a, a hearer of the word, but you have to be a doer of the word. And that's how he leads into this whole thing in chapter 2. He says, what good is it if you say you have faith but you don't have any, anything to pack it up? You know, I've talked to some Christians along the way or people who claim to be Christians and you quickly find out that they may have a, you know, a belief in Jesus Christ and maybe they even confessed him as Lord, but they don't have any, any real actions or activities in their life that back it up. Their confession stinks. Their life stinks. Everything that's coming out of them stinks. But they believe in Jesus. And, and what he's saying here is, how can this profit you if you say you have faith, but you don't have corresponding action or activity working in your life? How can this change anything? How can this prosper your life? How can this bless your life? How can this bless your future? If you say you have faith, but you don't do anything about it, it's in the doing that the faith is unlocked. That power is unlocked from the faith to produce. It's like faith and action. It's like when you have the, I guess it's the epoxy and the catalyst, I guess it's called. Do I have that right? Like you put the catalyst on the epoxy and it it makes the glue work. Separately, they don't work. But when you put the two together, it unleashes and unlocks power to make things stick. Well, it's the same way with faith and action. If I say I believe, then I ought to have the corresponding action. If I say I'm a believer, then I ought to be a doer, a doer of the word of God, a doer of what I say I believe, a doer of what God says. That's why I'll never stop giving. I'll never stop being a tither. I'll never stop forgiving. I'll never stop loving. I'll never, I'll never stop praying. I'll never stop doing any of these things. I'll never stop living a clean life. I'll tell you what, you know, on this issue, I, I want to, I, I, you know, I got to hold back sometimes. Time is getting late. We got to go. But, but I'll tell you, the society we live in has gotten so far from God because man wants to do what man wants to do. Man doesn't want to be told by God, although he is the creator. He is the one who gave you breath and gave you life. He's the one. But man doesn't want that. Humans want to do their own thing. So it's like commonplace today 
Things that would have been unheard of years ago have become commonplace today and acceptable today by this society. And if you tell them contrary to that, you look weird. You look like an oddball. You look like you're strange. Because what do you mean? This is, this is common. This is, this, is, this is the way it is. I mean, you know, don't tell me what to do. That's why I don't want God in my life because you're all full of rules. We're not full of any rules. God is not a rule master. God is a loving father who's trying to teach us the right way to live so that we can have the best outcome of our lives. But there are people, people, and, and they, are, they are growing. Their numbers are growing. You better, you better pay attention to what's going on in our society today. There's, there's low tolerance for, for God and Christians and we're accepting every ungodly thing that's coming down the pike, and it all sounds good, it looks good, but I'm going to tell you what, you better not be asleep. You better be spiritually awake, and you better be paying attention to what's going on in our society, in our country, in the world of politics. You better, you better open up your eyes and pay attention to what's going on. Because there's a sinister plot in this country. I believe it. There is. There's a sinister plot to bring this nation down and to reject God at all costs. And if we're not careful, we're going to find ourselves in the throes of socialism and quite possibly communism as well, which has no tolerance for God, for the church, for preaching, for the word, for faith, for any of this stuff. I'm telling you, you better open up your eyes and open up your spiritual ears. And pay attention, very careful attention. Listen very closely. Because our Christian freedoms and liberties and our ability to express our faith could be in jeopardy. Could be in jeopardy. So I wasn't planning on saying that, but got to declare it. Got to, got to declare it. When you think about this one thing, and then I'll, I'll, I'll finish up here. Casinos, liquor stores were allowed to be open. Protesters in the street were allowed to protest. But churches were told to close down and were forbidden to open. You tell me that there's not an attack on the body of Christ. You tell me there's not an attack on the preaching of the gospel. There are some states right now where churches are forbidden to open. California being one of them. I don't know how we got on this, but, but it's bugging me. It's bugging me. I got to just speak the truth, right? Because there's an attack on our Christian faith. There's an attack on Christianity. So we've got a, we got a tough job ahead of us. We got a lot of praying to do. We've got a lot of soul searching to do and a whole lot of work to do on the ground. I mean, you know, in our churches and getting people saved and preaching the gospel and doing all these things. But pay attention. Open up your ears because our Christian liberties are at stake. They are at stake. Tune in tomorrow afternoon at 2 for More Than Conquerors with Pastor Ray. If today's message was a blessing to you, ask for your free CD of the broadcast for a gift of any amount to help support this radio ministry. 
Just mail your request with your check to More Than Conquerors or MTC, P.O. Box 8187, White Plains, New York, 10602. Be sure to include the date of the message you're requesting. If ordering a complete Bible study series, a minimum love offering of $20 is appreciated. Identify the series and include the word series in your order. Before we go, here's a final word from Pastor Ray. Hello, this is Pastor Ray. I wanted to take a moment from today's broadcast to tell you about a brand new book I've written that's just become available for purchase entitled Discouragement, Doubt, and Compromise. I wrote this book because of after more than 37 years of pastoring, I see too many Christians, both newly saved and those mature in their walk with God, fall victim to a device of the enemy that he has been using against God's people ever since the beginning of time. It's simply a threefold plan of discouragement, doubt, and compromise. I know this material will be a tremendous blessing to you in encouraging and stimulating your faith and helping you to truly be more than a conqueror. Why not go to my website right now and order your copy, Pastor Ray, ny.com. Why not order a copy for a friend as well? That's pastorayny.com. 